Hello everybody, Matthew Bruni here, and I just want to give you all a heads up, from the 1722 to the 2022 mark of this podcast, the audio will sound bad on my end, um, my mic apparently disconnected from the computer, so for about three minutes there it's going to sound bad, but after that it cleans right back up, so I don't want you all to get turned off at that point and just turn the podcast off because we have plenty of good stuff to talk about on the football side after um, that cleans up. So yeah, enjoy the pod. Welcome in everybody to yet another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni. Matthew, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I've seen the Tyler Perry shot about a thousand times by now. Oh, man. Um, I watched it a hundred times before I went to sleep last night. (laughs) Then I, uh, now I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing my North Texas shirt, my North Texas champion shirt. Um, I don't know. I don't think we're gonna post on YouTube the, this podcast, but um, yeah, the conference championship shirt from last year that Collins uh, stole from the locker room for us. So <laughs> that was great because that was my one mission to Colin was, hey, get us some shirts in there because I knew the, the these are the authentic ones from the from the uh, from the from the locker room. Yeah, and like so, the ones only the team can get. Yeah, he brought those back, and I was like, beautiful, beautiful. That's awesome. And then um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I wore it to the LSU press today because I was running late to the LSU press conference. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, man, it's funny because I just realized, but I'm wearing North Texas stuff sort of too. I've got an Eli Young band shirt that's uh, actually from when North Texas went to the conference tournament. So, you know, we're both really repping North Texas here and we didn't even coordinate that at all. So that's right. That's right. Starting that's it off on do, a man. good note. So GMG, let's let's do it. It's a, it's a great weekend for for at least the basketball team, which we can talk about. Oh man, yeah, it was something else. Um, obviously, two games this week. They uh, beat Southern Miss um, in you know sort of an ugly game, sixty three fifty four. They beat them, and then obviously the one we'll get into a little later. They beat Louisiana Tech sixty three sixty two. North Texas with both of those moving up to the top of Conference USA West, which we'll also get into what that means a little bit later, but. Um, I guess we'll just start uh, with overall takeaways. And I think my first one is just like this team feels like it almost defies logic every single night they play basketball. Like against Southern Miss, they've got no Tyler Perry. They turn the ball over 11 times, end up season high 18 turnovers against them. And then the La Tech game, they go down 17 at one point in the second half. And they still just were able to find ways to win. Like they played really bad basketball at times, but then they were able to just find those stretches where they could play really good basketball and work their way back to win both of those games. So that's the biggest thing to me is just this team is just, yeah, logic defying really in some regards. Yeah. Against Southern Miss, we touch on that real quick. I don't think we need to spend too long on it, but Southern Miss, they didn't have uh, Tyler Perry, which we were unsure of going in. We were like, all right, are they going to have Tyler or not? They didn't, and they go down 10-0 real quick. Miss, Southern Miss comes out and hits everything they look at. And you're like, okay, it's going to be one of those nights. And I still didn't – I wasn't worried by any stretch. Um, but like you said, when you look back at it, and they had 18 turnovers, uh, only got to the free throw line eight times. And Southern Miss still, even though they start off on a 10-0 run, only shot – 42 to 43% from the field. Uh, this team just, they just defend the hell out of you. And so the Southern Miss game, I don't have too many takeaways from. I thought everyone played pretty well dressed, played obviously very well 21 points on five and 10 from three. Aaron Scott was tremendous. I think yeah. he's worth highlighting seven boards, 13 points. 
he's really come into his own. He showed it a little bit against La Tech, but man, Aaron Scott is just a difference maker. And it's not often you can really say that about freshmen with this program. I mean, Ruben was was really good last year, but I'm on the on the border of saying Aaron Scott's like more impactful as a freshman. I'm not gonna say he's better, but he has been more impactful as a freshman this year than anybody I can remember. And I feel like I might be forgetting somebody, but like Zach Simmons started as a freshman, but I don't, I you know Aaron Scott's playing significant minutes on perhaps the best team in Conference USA right now, and he's dominating on the glass. Yeah, no, he's he's really good. Um, and he ended up career high 13 points against Southern Miss too, chipping in with, you know, you're missing all the production from Tyler Perry. Aaron Scott chips in with a career high in points there. And then, I mean, you talked about Drez with 21 points. He plays all 40 minutes of that game. Ruben plays 39 minutes and ends up with a crazy stat line himself where he had career highs and rebounds and assists. I think he had seven of each of those. Um, and then 10 points as well. I mean, just a really crazy game uh from Ruben Jones from Mardrez from you know everybody kind of stepping up when they needed guys to step up without having Tyler Perry and I mean it was an ugly game against Southern Miss at times obviously I mean the 10-0 start and all of that stuff but I mean like I said sort of from the jump they just find ways to win games like this it's just crazy to see yeah and that that's all that game was was just figure out a way to win it doesn't matter it's not like you're fighting for style points right now um, yeah as We'll we'll talk about later. There's some teams out there that just can't win games, so we know how hard <laughs> it is to win games in in college basketball, especially on the road at Southern Miss. Even though Southern Miss is not a hard place to play at all, it's still a road game. So then you get to uh, the La Tech game. Oh man, on Saturday, and uh, I'll let I'll let you go first. But what an incredible game between two of the best teams in Conference USA. Yeah, it was just so crazy how it played out because it seemed like every time one team would make a run, the other team would make a run right back. There were so many long stretches where a team would go on a 10-0 run or a 15-0 run like Tech did at one point. But it seemed like the other team always had an answer right to the end. And, I mean, as we saw, it came down to the last five seconds of the game when Tyler Perry hits that clutch shot, which I'll just run through that sequence because it was crazy. I'll start on the defensive possession before that, actually, because that might have been the more impressive part. And if you often, can even go back, you can even go back the uh, the possession before that when North Texas had the ball, I think it was Thomas got fouled and missed two free throws. Yeah. Right. And, okay. Yeah. And then go into to your. So your yeah, point. Thomas Bell gets fouled and misses two free throws. Then on the other end, he and Abu Usman are both playing with four fouls. Kenneth Lofton, I think, had twenty points in the game at that point. Um, they're both defending him in the post. He gets it really low, where you're just like, I mean, Lofton's got to score this or get fouled, right? Yeah. But no, Thomas Bell blocks Lofton's first shot. Lofton gets the offensive board and Usman blocks the second one. And neither of those guys fouled Lofton with four fouls and, you know, could have fouled out of the game, given Tech basically a chance to seal it at the line where Lofton had been, you know, shooting it well all night. They both get those blocks. You know, UNT calls timeout, figures out what it's going to do and all that kind of stuff. And then they come down to the other end. Tyler Perry uh, gets the ball in the left corner, takes the three and misses it. Uh, off a play that McCaslin drew up. It was a good look. He just didn't hit it. Thomas Bell, as he was huge all game with 21 points, seven boards, three assists, three blocks, two steals. He was all over the place. But he comes up with the offensive rebound of the game there. And Perry runs all the way over to the right wing. He's right behind Bell for the dish. And Bell hits him, and Perry drains the three with, like, five seconds to go. And that put UNT ahead 63-62. And, I mean, that's how it finished up. They contested 
Tech's last uh, shot pretty well. It didn't really have a lot of a chance to go in, and UNT came out with the win. Yeah, I, you kind of mentioned it, but the, the 15-0 run when Louisiana Tech extended their lead, I, I felt like the game was over at that point. And I did too. I tweeted as much. Yeah, I, I didn't. I just didn't see how North Texas was going to be able to create enough offense to manufacture a comeback because that's what we always hear, right? We're always like, oh, you have if this team has you know great shooting or great uh, ability to score points in bunches, they can get back into a game. This is the thing with this North Texas team is this, and gets back to your point of how they defy a kind of logic in a sense. They do the opposite. Yeah, they some teams can score in bunches to come back in games, and that's like their mo. North Texas mo is they just stop teams from scoring, like legit. So they'll they'll do the same thing. They'll do a a fifteen zero run, just the same as that other team that can that can score fifteen points in three minutes, right, or two minutes, whatever. Except they're going to score 15 points over like five, six minutes, and you're going to score zero. Yeah. And that's the craziest thing. It's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. This might be, and we talked about it before, this might be the best defensive team like th- they've ever had at North Texas somehow. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, back-to-back conference championship level defense. This is a defense that literally is stopping people from scoring points for five, six, seven, eight minutes consistently. Almost yeah. every game you can go into it and be like, all right, well, where's the six-minute stretch going to be where the opponent doesn't score? And that's unheard of. And that's what happened, right? Louisiana Tech gets high yeah. to run, and then, Louisiana, and then North Texas just puts the hammer down and stops it. And they were battling foul trouble, too. You mentioned it. Thomas and Abu with four fouls each. Uh, Ruben ends up with four fouls. So it's just a game where they had no real business winning it, but – I mean, they 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 hang in there, uh, and somehow somehow weather the storm of Kenneth Lofton, and he's just man. such a damn good player, man. He's amazing. so good. Um, but they weather him, and you know the rest of their guards I thought played pretty well. Keiston Willis comes out four or five from three. Uh, they didn't have an incredible shooting night, but six of fourteen is pretty solid. And they got to the free throw line twenty six times. Louisiana Tech did, and they yeah. hit twenty two of them. So I don't see how you win that game, but. Lo and behold, here we are talking about North Texas stealing a win just in incredible, incredible fashion. And Ty- Tyler Perry, two of nine from the field, 10 points. Like, it's not even like he went off. So, I what a performance. You mentioned the Tyler, Ty- Thomas Bell, just player of the week. I mean, one of him and Lofton, I think, are the players of the years. Like, oh, and Jelly Walker, obviously. Jordan, Jordan Walker from UAB. Like, those three for me, that's, that's the conversation. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the defense. There was one stat that I saw. Um, yeah, North Texas allowed one field goal in the last 10 minutes and 32 seconds of the game against Louisiana Tech. Ten and a half minutes, Unreal. and they allow one field goal. Like, the only points Tech was getting was free throws down the stretch. Unreal. That's that's ridiculous. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, there's te- we don't we don't think of it because the broadcast mentioned it, and that's what made me think of it, where the broadcast said that North Texas – can shoot the ball well so they can come back and, you know, they can score points. And I'm like, really? Like, can they, are they one of these teams that's just, I know broadcasters in large part just speak in uh, generalities, you know, like speak in like, oh, this is a basketball fact, you know. But North Texas isn't really that team. They play the second slowest tempo in the country, for God's sakes. They don't want to play like that. They just 
grind you to a halt and kill your will to play basketball. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. It really is. I mean, it just it doesn't I keep coming back to it, but it just the team doesn't make sense as a basketball team. Like it's just a different animal you're going against. And I mean, yeah, you get 20 points from Kenneth Lofton, who goes 10 of 12 at the line. I don't I don't know many games. I mean, they limit Archibald to one of six, oh of four, which is obviously a big part of this one. Cause if he gets going, I mean, saw what he did against UAB where he hit what, like six or seven threes yeah. in that game. So credit to them for limiting Archibald. Kobe Williams goes two for nine and it was really funny. It's kind of messed up, but I saw Kobe Williams go to the free throw line down the stretch. And I was like, there's no way this guy hits these free throws. Like I just, I, cause I've seen him miss those clutch free throws against North Texas before. And I just had a yeah. feeling there's no way he hits them. <laughs> sure enough. His only two free throw misses of the game come, you know, at more of a key juncture than any of the other ones were. And I mean, that proved to be one of the differences in the game. So I just, yeah, everything yeah. came together how it needed to for North Texas to somehow, some way pull out that win. Yeah, and the guys that we talked about shooting the ball well, continue to shoot the ball well, Dress, 3 of 6, Ruben, 2 of 4, Tyler only 2 of 6, but um, he was uh, 1 of 4 before the last two, obviously. Um, then Thomas, 3 of 4, kind of kept him in the game with those kind of bailout threes he was hitting to an extent. Yeah. Uh, but Abu was good, 11.7 boards. I, this was a complete team win, man. And it's crazy because JJ played 31 minutes, goes over one from the field with two assists, one turnover, one point. And you're just like, yeah, that's JJ Murray right there. <laughs> I guess, man. What a, what a guy. Well, and the funny thing was, it did feel like he was still like helping them out on the offensive side. Like the way he still makes plays, going to the basket when he needs to, and dishing it to somebody. Like you could tell the impact was still there, even with the one point. But yeah, I mean, they had to find the offense elsewhere. And lo and behold, Thomas Bell comes out with the game of the season and maybe the game of his career, to be honest with you. I mean, just an absurd performance. That's and we're not even mentioning the other block that he had where he came from like the other side of the court, yeah. looked like a guy had a wide open layup and he just comes out of nowhere and swats it. Mm -hmm. Like Thomas Bell was on a different level in this game. Eight of 10 from the field for Thomas Bell, like, I don't know that he's ever shot that efficient on that number of attempts in his career. It's it, just it, absurd. It was one of the greatest games from a North Texas player that I've seen in my since when is that 20 since 27. Well, I was here for the 2016 17 team, but I don't really count that because they were awful. So <laughs> let's say since, since in the McCaslin era, this is one of the great performances I've ever seen. It's right up there with like the Roosevelt Smart game where he hit like 10 threes. Uh, uh, the Javion Hamlet games where he took over. I mean, it's it's at that level of 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 that. It might be a top five performance, individual performance in the past five years at North Texas. Like that's how yeah. incredible this night was for Thomas Bell. No, it was it was just absurd. Um, oh man, I don't even know where else talk, to go. Really, you talk, do you want to talk big picture now? You want to kind of get over to like yeah, to them? Yeah, because they're, they're number one in conference USA now. At this point, they are. They're number one overall in the conference in terms of record. Obviously, uh, number one um, in the COSA West, which is sort of the bigger deal come tournament time. I have a question though. So, are they are are they treating it? Are they doing what they did last year, where they hand out two different regular season trophies, like with East East and West? I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything on that, to be honest with you. Because 
because that's what they did last year. And I thought that was pretty lame. Yeah. Um, I thought it's, I, I feel like it should be a big deal to win the regular season conference championship, like for the conference, not I just agree. the East and the West. So that's why everybody was saying, um, not just you, like a lot of people were saying they're number one in the West now. And I understand that's important from seeding purposes, but I'm looking at it like they're number one in the conference. Like they're, they're, they're on track right now at this moment to win the entire conference. Yeah. And if they don't get a trophy for winning the entire damn conference, if they do do it or whoever wins it should get a conference championship trophy, not a conference USA West or East trophy. They should get a conference USA trophy. So yeah. for the regular season, that that's, that's all. That's my, my rant. I don't know what the case is, but that's my rant. No, I, I agree with you on that hundred percent. Cause it's, I mean, with the grueling schedule these teams have, especially North Texas, UAB, and La Tech, because that's the three best teams in the conference right there, all in the same division, all of them having to play each other twice. With, with how grueling that schedule is, one of them deserves to, like you said, get a trophy for coming out on top of not only the division, but of the conference in general, because you got a feeling it's got to be one of them. I mean, I guess Middle Tennessee has a chance at 5-2, and two, but like they don't really have a chance. No. No, they don't. Um, shout out to Middle, though, bouncing back after back-to-back years of being just awful. Um, yeah. What were they going to say? Uh, I mean, I, I'll touch on Western Kentucky. I don't know what the heck is up with them, but they're down to 2-6 and six now on the season. Uh, in, in a year where, like, Marshall was the only team without a win, and Marshall goes and picks up a win against UAB without Tavion Kinsey. Yeah, that makes Like, no just sense. a weird, weird way for Conference USA is shaking out right now. Well, the thing is, and then Western pushes UAB, right? Yeah. They push UAB to the brink. Um, and Western wasn't and one they of Western. Close with La Tech too, I thought. I was gonna say, yeah. And who was didn't they beat a decent team? Uh they lost to FAU, lost to FIU, lost to UAB, lost to middle. Um but anyways, uh they lost to La Tech by one. Yeah, so they beat Rice and they've beaten FIU. FIU. So, yeah, I, that's tough. But Western's just not a well-coached team. We've known that for years at this point, and now you don't have Charles Bassey and Tavion Hollingsworth to save you. So um, I, I don't like Western Kentucky personally. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, so I'm cool with it. Good for Middle Tennessee. You, y'all, y'all go get it. But, um, yeah, that's fine. But UAB, I will only watch the last portion of the game. Yeah, same here. For, to beat – to lose to Marshall without Tavion Kinsey is inexcusable, and it it has to kill any chance they have as an at large bid. It no, hundred percent. Like I saw somebody say they, or I saw I think Joe Lenardi has them on the as the first four out. I think it is something like that. I I don't see how even if they run the table from this point on, you get past losing to Rice and Marshall. What what would what does North Texas have to go to win the conference at this point? Fourteen and four, fifteen and three. I think so. I think fourteen and four probably gets it done at this point. Maybe it might take fifteen and three if UAB you know gets hot and La Tech gets hot down the stretch. But like, if your wins come over, if UNT beats UAB on the road and then La Tech at home, and takes care of business to other ones, it's over. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, at that point. Like, you could lose a couple of those other ones, yeah, exactly. and those head-to-head wins have you, right? Exactly. I think there's a real chance to go 15-3 and and or better, like 16-2. and two. There's Man. a real chance of that, for sure. Whew. 
I, I don't know, but this is this. If they win the regular season conference championship, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> incredible. I, I will yell from any rooftop. I will tweet. I will do everything in my power to make sure everybody knows how incredible that, that would be if they win a third straight conference championship. And boy, oh boy, fans savor it. Just savor it. <laughs> Just savor it. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. If they win this conference championship, even if they don't and they go like 14 to 4, just savor this. This you don't yeah. get this every now. You, it doesn't happen often. And then I just want to piggyback off how crazy this is, really, because you lose three starters from last season's squad, right? You lose Hamlet, you lose James Reese, you lose Zach Simmons. If anybody told me North Texas was going to be right up there, you know, contending for the regular season title, I probably would have said they were crazy. Like I could have seen North Texas getting it together late, you know, figuring it out and winning the conference title. But the regular season title, I didn't think was very feasible for them. And yet here they are at the top of the conference. And I have a stat here that I think shows what we've kind of talked about for a long time. Because early in the season, after the UAB game, we were like, this team can't score. They can't shoot. We were kind of pessimistic to a degree. In the non-conference season, they shot 33.7% from three. In the conference season, they are shooting 43.7% from three. A 10% jump. It's number one in the conference. Like, it's the biggest difference. It's the biggest reason they're winning games is because they're shooting the ball better. Like, I think it's kind of that simple to a degree. And a lot of that credit goes to Drez, you know, uh, Thomas, uh, guys who we've kind of talked about this year as stepping up in conference play. Yeah, no, I mean, they've, they've shot the lights out. It's been crazy. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get into who they've got coming up as well because, I mean, we were going around Conference USA, but UTEP is quietly putting together a decent year here, man. They've strung together now five wins in a row. And, uh, I mean, obviously, we don't look at them on the same level as we do Louisiana Tech, UAB, or North Texas, and rightfully so because they've lost to UAB. Um, they lost to La Tech, both of those games by double digits, and then they had a double-digit loss to Charlotte. but like. By and large, they're turning into a pretty solid team. They're one of the better defensive teams in the conference. The offense is obviously still coming around, but UTEP's a dangerous team coming into Denton here, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with North Texas because they're definitely going to give that North Texas offense some problems. Again, I mean, North Texas should win that game, but it's one of those where you could see them losing it if a lot of things don't go their way. I feel a lot better that this game is at home. Um UTEP, like you mentioned, is a much improved defense at this point. Uh, Ken Palm has them as the second best defense in the conference in conference play uh, behind Louisiana Tech. Um, and so that's a big deal. That's what Joe Golding does. That's what it, when he came over from Abilene Christian, that's kind of the, the culture that he instills, um, being able to be a tough, gritty team uh, that plays defense. And UTEP's personnel, as we've seen in past years, was not really made for that. But this year they are. I mean, now they're kind of – buying in and starting to win games. Um, they won a game off a, off a buzzer-beating tip-in against FAU. FAU yeah, and FAU's a pretty crazy. good team, to be fair. So um, UTEP's going to be the tough one. UTSA, I'm not worried at all. They're awful. They're the worst team in conference. So North Texas can walk out there and win by like 40 points. So I'm not worried about that. But the UTEP game is going to be interesting. I'll be watching that. No, it is. And you mentioned crazy results. UTEP went to OT with Old Dominion, too, before they pulled away against them. So they, they've played in some tight games, which is probably going to bode well for them if they're able to keep it close against North Texas. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see.
Yeah, I I don't think it'll be that like what was it last year was like sixty six thirty three game. Yeah, uh, in the pit, I, I don't remember, but that was that. I don't think we'll get that exact score this time. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, it would be surprising to say the least. But um, yeah, now that we've go ahead. or go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I was gonna ask you want to go to football. Yeah, man. I mean, now that we we've touched on some of the more optimistic stuff with men's basketball, so I feel like the best transition to football here is to at least start with the optimistic part, which is. North Texas picked up a, a transfer, another one, uh, Zahadri Jackson from Utah State. They get to add him uh, to their mix of transfers here. And uh, he's a guy that has a bit of a relationship with uh, Chris Petrilli, the North Texas assistant coach, does the special teams. But uh, Petrilli actually was on the staff at Boise State with um, Jackson's uncle, Antoine Murray, back in 2015. Murray's now a scout for the Tampa Bay Bucks, but that's sort of the connection that seems like it's brought Jackson to UNT. He's got one year of eligibility left. Um, this past season, 25 tackles, 19 solo, and he had three pass breakups in 13 games. Seems like he could be a solid addition, maybe a plug and play grad transfer kind of guy in a defensive backfield that, I mean, just needs some more solid guys out there. Yeah. I mean, they, you just need depth at the defensive back position, whether that's corner where you probably need like six or seven and then at safety where you probably need five or six and then nickel spot where you need a couple. Um, you just need depth and you need some versatility and you need some experience, which uh, he brings. I mean, he's a graduate transfer at this point from a solid team in Utah State, even though I think they were down a little bit this past year, if my memory's correct. Maybe yeah, they went like 11 and three or something. They were in the conference title game, was, so they were pretty good. This year, um, one of the years, I could have sworn Utah State was down one of the, one of the years, but – um regardless it doesn't matter if they're they were good they're a good program typically and so yeah bringing him in uh we'll see how it does i we've talked about it before losing you know upton stout and not having the strongest defensive back unit is a is a concern so maybe he helps shore things up a bit but you are right they did go 11 and 3 this past year it was 2020 season they went one and five so oh geez I was right That's on a rough pandemic year yeah got one of them <laughs> yeah well and you mentioned the defensive backfield obviously they've brought in a couple other defensive back transfers previous to this as well they got the central arkansas db transfer nick nakwasaw and then blend college transfer uh, db bryce linder so they've brought some guys into that room the assumption would be maybe they add one or two more but they've got those guys combined with the guys they got coming back you know some interesting young options there some, I mean, some of the starting corners at least look like they're poised to come back at this point. Obviously, losing Mikhail Sanders at safety is going to be tough, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how that defensive backfield shakes out. Yeah. Um, do you want to get to the bad news? Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, there's a lot more of that at this point of the year for North Texas, but uh, oh, yeah. a lot of guys entering the transfer portal recently. Well, I'll run them all down real quick. Obviously, quarterback Casey Martin hits the portal. Jacob Brammer on the offensive line, starting right tackle, hits the portal. A couple other more depth-type pieces on the O-line. Chris Cassidy and John Brunner both hit the portal. And then the real headliner, obviously, is both of the Murphy twins hitting the portal. Um, I mean, just huge loss there on the defensive side. That makes it all four starters now on the defensive line who are not going to be coming back this year because Deion Noville and Caleb Colvin, both out of eligibility on the inside. So that's your two D tackles. You lose your two DNs as well. And the Murphy Twins have been picking up some crazy P5 offers as well as Jacob Rammer's picked up a couple. Yeah, I I expect to kind of go 
in order. Uh, Case and Martin, uh, I think that's a good thing. I think we talked about it last podcast. He should go try to move on, try to play somewhere in his last couple years or last year. I don't know how many eligibility he has left. But uh, try to go play somewhere, even if it's – I don't care if it's FCS, D2, wherever, man. Just go go get some reps and uh, enjoy it. And then um, the offensive line ones are pretty big. Jacob Brammer is a pretty big departure because albeit – I think he was slightly overrated last year in what in what he brought because I think the offensive line wasn't like I don't think Manasse Mosi was great either. Like I think there were a lot of holes, um, or a lot of there were too many struggles at times with the offensive line where we we're just like they this offense can't do anything because they can't block them. Um, I'm not saying it's as bad as it used to be. It used to be god awful, but they they were still they weren't top five offensive line, top three offensive line in the conference. So. Um, but but that does hurt. Now you're having to replace them, uh, especially Brammer. But the other two were good depth pieces, like you said. They were in that I think that 2019 class where Latrell was just picking up like four or five offensive linemen in class, like clockwork. And now it somehow we still North North Texas still doesn't seem like they have offensive line depth. Um, but yeah, that hurts. Uh, that's probably gonna have to be a portal addition as well on the offensive line to replace him. And then um, you mentioned it, the Murphy brothers being gone, you lose your entire defensive line now at this point. And Cameron Hill's gone too, uh, another defensive lineman who I'd probably say is maybe the best of the non, those those first, outside of those first four. Like, you lost arguably your best five defensive linemen. And so now you're in a really shallow defensive line room where I don't know where they go from here. I mean, you've you've kind of talked about it before, but like, even of the defense linemen they have, like I don't trust any of them to be spectacular pass rushers. You know, like the guys that are going to really step up. Not even saying they have to be Murphy level, but like guys who can step up and into that role and be effective. I'm sure somebody will make me eat my words probably next year and go put up nine, eight, nine sacks or something. But just on paper, I don't see it. And I, I know there's some defensive ends here. Cortland Ross saw, um, I was looking at the other, oh, Jonathan Pickett. Um, but other than them, I, I see a lot of defensive tackles and like interior defense alignment to a degree. Yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating to see who else they add in the portal. Obviously they've brought in Tom Treeb from college of DuPage. He put up some sacks, so maybe he factors in on the edge for them. I'm not entirely sure where he'll factor in. And then they've got Cam Robertson, who's the 2022 D lineman. Don't yeah. necessarily expect him to factor in this year that much, but you never really know till they get in camp. Maybe he becomes a factor on the edge for them too. Um, but I've got a little breaking news for us on the podcast here as well. Murphy Twins just picked up an offer from USC and Lincoln Riley. <laughs> See, it doesn't – oh, man. Okay, I wasn't surprised when Penn State offered. I really wasn't because Penn State, while they're good and they recruit pretty well – let's see where Penn State – Let's see where Penn State finished in their 2021 class. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I, I feel like Penn State is like a about where I expect the Murphy brothers to go. USC is kind of a different animal there. Penn State ranked 21st in the country uh, last year. They are well, they're six in the 2022 class, so good for them. But regardless, USC is another level. That kind of yeah. does surprise me to a degree. So we're talking about. Man, that that's big time, and you have to wonder here: were they would they have left 
regardless of like North Texas, like off season moves, like would they have left? Like, was there anything North Texas could have done to keep them? Is what I'm asking. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if you know the answer to that, but it just from North Texas perspective, it didn't feel like they were going to leave until they left. You know what I mean? Like it feels like something happened. I don't know. It's weird. No, I agree. I mean, you sent that to me at one point, but it looked like their dad tweeted something out about how North Texas was losing a lot of good players and not really like replacing them. Basically, yeah. obviously DeAndre Torrey's gone. Mikhail Sanders is gone. All the guys that we mentioned who have entered the portal are going to probably be gone. I, to me, I, I agree. If they didn't have some of these big portal losses with the Jacob Brammer and guys like that, I, I don't know. It's tough, man, because I mean, clearly from the interest they're getting, I think they would have gotten a lot of this kind of interest regardless. And this is sort of the era we're moving into in college football where, I mean, the P5 can sort of just pick whoever they want out of the G5 and bring them up if they so choose to. But, man, I I agree. It didn't feel like they were going anywhere, and it felt like they were going to be able to anchor this defense again next year, which, I mean, by and large was predicated on the pass rush sort of making up for the lack of talent or maybe not lack of talent, but just the lack of quality in the defensive backfield. So I don't really know the answer, but I agree with you. It felt to me like those guys were poised to stay until this little flurry of guys entering the transfer portal. Yeah. And there's a couple aspects to hit on here. The first one is the impact on North Texas. And obviously it's not good, even though we've, I've, I've been on here. I'll take the onus. I've been on here ranting about how they are at times unplayable because of the penalties, which wherever they go, they will not survive if they have penalties like that. Um, and so it, it is unacceptable. I'm not, I'm standing by that hundred percent, Oh yeah. but still they had that stretch where when North Texas was in the win streak, when they weren't getting those pre-step pre-snap and post-snap penalties where they were playing really disciplined, where they were still being effective, but not getting the roughing the passing, roughing the passer calls. So that's what you kind of hope for if you're a North Texas fan and coach, where like we know what they can be. So we want them to stay here because if they realize their potential here, we're talking about two of the best defensive ends, not only in conference USA, but two of the best defensive ends in all of the G5, if not the country. Like these are studs if they get their heads on straight. And I do believe that to be the case wherever they go. If that's USC, Penn State, I don't, wherever, they're going to be good if they cut down the penalties. So it hurts from North Texas perspective, not only because I don't know if they have depth there, but also because they're just really good players. And I've never once said they're not good players, but so we'll, we'll see how North Texas does. But this really hurts from North Texas perspective. As far as um, your, your, your more macro point of, talking about how it's kind of becoming a like a farm system at times. Yeah, but it's also like that for the rest of Conference USA schools, right? Um, the American, too, to a degree, which North Texas will be in later. Uh, we I saw FIU's best offensive lineman go to LSU. Like, I've seen um, Grant Wells from Marshall, I believe. He's, he's somewhere else. Like, there's going to be plenty of movement here. Like, imagine if Bailey Zappi wasn't going pro, right? Yeah. Like he's probably flirting with USC. He, he's probably going anywhere in the country at that point. So it, it's going to continue to be that way to a degree, but you have to have depth. You have to have a culture. Yeah. We've seen with UAB, it doesn't matter who comes in, who comes out. They have a culture there and guys want to be there. And 
It just doesn't feel like at this moment, North Texas has that. No, I a hundred percent. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I looked up Grant Wells. He's going to uh, Virginia tech. So yeah, another guy who's transferring up to a P five. I mean, it's the state of how you, you know, it's, it's just the state of being in the G five at this point. And we've seen schools like, you know, SMU, for example, we've seen schools that have been able to take advantage of the portal the other direction and find ways mm-hmm. to replenish their talent that way, because guys that's coming sort of down reality. From, guys coming down from the, the P fives down. I mean, uh, Tanner Mordecai, Shane Bouchelle, we've seen both those guys drop down to SMU. And I know SMU is in the American. It's a little, um, more prestigious of a football school um at least to this point i know no texas fans don't want to hear that but it just has been more successful to this point so I, you gotta you gotta look for ways in north texas while like they've added some decent players it's all about and so i mean we can get into even another discussion about this team just as a whole uh with the, the portal it feels like they're a step behind at this point. And I don't want to overreact because they're still like four or five months. Like they're going to be adding people into the summer uh, from the transfer portal. Like it's going to be, they're going to add plenty of guys, but at this moment, it feels like they're a step behind. It feels like they weren't expecting to lose to Murphy's. It would feel like they weren't expecting to uh, be in this position. Maybe we'll see what they add in the 2022 class. But I mean, where is the next um, big time transfer prospects coming in. Like I remember when they added a uh, man. This shows I can't even remember his name. The cornerback from that was at AM, uh, the super experienced one from a couple years ago. Ooh, I can't remember anything now. But regardless, he and he kind of didn't and he didn't end up playing very much. But still, it was a name that you were like, okay, that guy's coming from AM. That guy's coming from here. Like it feels like they're only going the junior college route to a degree right now. Is that is that kind of fair to say? I mean, I would tend to agree. They brought in the Macklin kid from Missouri, but like that was a good pickup. That, like, I mean, it hasn't. It has. It's been a lot of JUCO guys or a lot of you know G five to lower level than that. I mean, I guess yeah. They bring in like JD Head from La Tech, but like yeah, as far as P fives, Jay Macklin from Missouri is the only one that's you know they're bringing in at this point and we'll see maybe they add a few more as the offseason progresses obviously the portal is going to be full of guys but i'll go ahead and take the overreaction pill that you weren't willing to man i don't see how this team frankly i'm not sure if they can even be as good as they were this past year and they weren't that good this past year because i just you don't have like the the murphy twins covered up for so many issues on the back end of this defense in terms of just the cornerbacks not being all that great and I know the defense improved as the year goes on, but man, I, I I struggle to see how this defense can be as good as they were this past season as the year went on. Like there's no way they can be as good as they were toward the end of the year. Yeah. And you couple that with an offense with a bunch of unproven guys, you got Austin on him, maybe coming back. I mean, obviously he's back in spring practice. We'll see how much he factors in compared to the transfer QBs, but they're going to need more from that offense and you don't really have anybody that's a proven guy over there aside from a few of the guys in the running backs room. Yeah. And so I, I think Phil Bennett's in a really tough position here, right? Because not only is he an older coach that was out of the system for a while and I've talked to, and I've heard from a lot of old coaches that are just not having fun anymore because of the transfer portal, because of players leaving, they just hate it. And I'm not saying that's Phil Bennett. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I have no idea. But even if it's even if he likes the portal, he doesn't like losing the Murphy brothers, right? Yeah. 
So he has to be going through it right now because his whole defense last year was predicated on getting pressure. His whole defense last year was predicated on the Murph, one of the Murphys probably winning, and if not, then Dion Noville winning. And now you don't have any of them. And now you're going to have to probably manufacture even more pressure or get a secondary that can hold up for longer than three seconds. And I, it's just it's asking a lot. You mentioned it. They're going to have to score a lot of points. They're going to have to really – they're going to have to – get back to that like 35 points per game mark pretty pretty soon because I, I don't see the defense replicating what it did last year. And that's disappointing because the seed isn't getting any colder at this point for anybody. And that's what that goes back to the transfer portal talk. Like, I don't care about their freshman class. And that sounds bad to say. We've been caring about the freshman class for years and years and years. And it has re- resulted in not... I shouldn't say not a lot of success because that's unfair, but it hasn't resulted in the longevity that this program needs. Yeah. And now you are losing players to the transfer portal. Well, while Cam Roberts and Quilon Farrar and Damian Smallwood and all these guys are really good players, I believe, are they going to be able to help you next year when you have to win? I don't know. And I don't think that's a high probability. So, it's going to come down to who they add in the transfer portal and how many of those transfer portal guys hit. And also the junior yeah. college guys too, because while they're not transfer portal, they are still you know older guys. They need guys that can play right away. And I think that got magnified this past week with Brammer and the Murphys leaving. Well, and I'll take it a step further because you talk about bringing in guys from P5s. You bring in Jace Reuter from North Carolina, who's a guy who's supposed to be the next big thing, former four-star recruit. He doesn't pan out. Who is the cornerback that they brought in from Purdue, Jordan Rucker? He hasn't really panned out. I'll give him the one that has worked out is uh, Davis at at corner. Yeah. He's he's from Texas Tech. He's been been solid. Yeah, John Davis has been solid. But, like, outside of that, North Texas seems to miss on more of these guys than they hit on. So how much confidence can you really have that they're going to get, you know, the quality of guys they need to replace those guys, you know? Yeah. And hopefully Tommy, Tommy Bush comes back, you know, that's, that's one where you you hope they can get him in. Um, I'm just looking through old commits now (laughs) of the past because it's looking bleak at this point, but you know, like we said, they have to figure something out. They got to add, Players that can can win. Amani Gilmore was from Kentucky, by the way, for what it's yeah. worth. But another it, another quarterback from a P five school that didn't work out. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't have too much more on this on this team, but it was a very sad and scary. And I think for a lot of fans, it was scary because a not only have we not seen them add a ton of players, right? That is concerning, but. More than anything, even the players that they do add, kind of going back to our point, we have to see them produce at the level of the players that are leaving. Yeah. Jacob Brammer. We have are they gonna add a starting tackle in replace of him? Are they gonna add starting defensive ends in replace of the Murphys? Or even in replace of um, to replace uh Dionoville? Like fans can be scared all they want at this point because you've given us three straight years of bad football. So I, I, I don't hear anything from the coaching staff or from anybody saying, oh, you need to relax. Like this team, just give them time. They've had time. This coaching staff has had plenty of time. And I, I don't want to get on one of my coaching rants again because I've had plenty of them over the past three years. But 
this is not a be patient situation. This is a show me some damn results, not only on the football field, but in the recruiting class and in the transfer portal, because the transfer portal is the new buzzword. I don't know if you've heard about it, but (laughs) it's kind of what everyone's doing nowadays. And I think they're trying, but trying can only get you so far, especially when UTSA is over here. They got um, a transfer. I I don't remember if it was a junior college or or a portal guy, but he was a four-star and he had offers from P5s and they got him. It's like UTSA is continuing to build on its success. And continuing to pass North Texas up. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think fans have every right to be scared right now. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I don't know. Uh, I was looking. Th- North Texas has brought in one offensive line transfer so far. Uh, Leke Asanuga from New Mexico. Not sure if he'll factor in at tackle. Uh, coming out of high school, he was the number 22 center in his class. But maybe they can shift some guys around on the line and he factors in somewhere. Um, yeah. But, I mean, realistically, they're going to look at adding more guys in the portal, I would assume. And you know, hoping for the best, hoping they can hit on some of those guys because, I mean, you mentioned it, coaching staff's had plenty of time. I think there's some people that might argue they've had too much time at this point. <laughs> and that's harsh, but, like, there's there's arguments to be had there. No, definitely. So, um, I don't I don't have anything else. Um, I don't think. Do we have any other talk, talking points we missed? Yeah, we can touch on. So, North Texas earlier today offered another quarterback. Uh, you know, we had our nice rant about the quarterbacks on the last podcast before Case and Martin transferred, but they did offer College of the Canyons quarterback, Tuni Ika Hihifo, uh, passed for 671 yards, seven touchdowns, five picks on 49% passing in nine games last year, 43 of 87. So, not necessarily uh, a standout prospect from the juco ranks to say the least but um he is related to a defensive end on that roster who's shown a little more promise or at least seems to he shares the last name uh with henry ika hihifo uh, who's the defensive end college of the canyons and i was looking at his numbers he's put up some decent stats uh this past season nothing that jumps out crazily but 32 tackles and five and a half sacks for them so Maybe they're looking at trying to get those guys as a package deal, bring in a guy who can factor in along the edge defensively. Maybe that's a guy that helps you replace some of that production you lose with the Murphys. But again, you're not going to be able to bring in the same level of player that you're losing there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. And like I, like I said, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Phil Bennett. And um, while I don't want to say that's unfair to him, to Phil Bennett, you know, it's just kind of the reality of the situation at this moment. So we'll see, we'll see how they do, but uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a package. I like you said, maybe package deal uh, defensive end, maybe is what the one they want and they're trying to get the quarterback as a walk on. Hopefully I, I don't know exactly what the situation is. Yeah. I would hope not using another scholarship on a quarterback because they've already got too many of those as we've discussed in depth uh, not too long ago, but um I guess that's pretty much all we got for this one. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247. Follow Matthew at MatthewBruni underscore. Follow me at JohnField0, and we'll catch you all in the next one.